the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, the governor held a press conference earlier today and she's urging Oregonians to prepare for what she calls incoming Omicron surge. In fact, the um, uh, state health officials say Oregon's going to be hit with a new wave of hospitalizations by mid-January. Well, Oregon is about to uh, about three weeks away from being inundated, we're being told, by new uh, waves of COVID-19 hospitalizations sparked by the more contagious Omicron variant, according to the governor and state health officials at the press conference earlier today. Well, the forecast is based on modeling from Oregon Health and Science University, drawing on data from other countries and states where the Omicron has begun to spread in recent weeks. Oregon uh, first three cases were detected earlier this week. Now, they didn't cite the CDC's uh, information, but looked elsewhere. There's a bit of uncertainty in the modeling because Omicron is still so new. That's what Dr. Peter Gravin says. He's the lead data scientist at OHSU's business intelligence unit. But there's no doubt the wave is coming very soon, and every model scenario points to a large surge in cases. The peak size is the one I'm most uncertain of. He went on to say, the speed at which it gets here, I have more confidence in that. End quote. Well, the state's top priority during the next few weeks will be to prepare for the wave uh, by getting us as many Oregonians vaccinated or boosted as possible, especially among vulnerable or underserved communities. The governor says it's not too late to protect yourself and those you care about from becoming gravely ill and even dying from COVID-19. That was a quote from OHSU chief medical officer Renee Edwards. Initial data from other countries and states that have been hit by Omicron suggests that the new variant uh, tends to result in fewer cases of severe illness among infected individuals. Uh, Gravin went on to say of uh, what we are to expect. Um, however, it's uh, not clear how quickly it will come. Um, the death rates have also been lower, uh, Ms. Gravin went on to say. Well, the problem is that Omicron is far more contagious than prior variants and spreads incredibly quickly, he said. So even if Omicron does um, uh, does hit the area, uh, result in lower proportions of severe cases. The total number of cases is likely going to be so high that the minority of severe cases could still overwhelm hospitals. By the time we reach the peak, we do unfortunately expect the number of hospitalized Oregonians could eclipse the number uh, from the Delta variant surge in September. So, it's uh, apparently spreads much more quickly, although it's milder. They're still predicting that more Oregonians will need to be hospitalized. Now, it's hard for me to follow that equation, but this is what we're being told. And uh, the governor and others in the state are encouraging those who have yet to be vaccinated or boosted, as they say, to do so 
sooner rather than later. Meanwhile, Pfizer BioNTech, they announced on Friday that the companies will modify a clinical trial for their coronavirus vaccine in young children after a two-dose regimen didn't produce a sufficient immune response in children ages two, three, and four. Well, the company said that no safety concerns were identified in the trial and that participants ages two to four will be given a third vaccine dose two months after their second dose. Participants aged six months to 24 months saw a sufficient immune response from the vaccine. It's important to note, they said, that this adjustment is not anticipated to meaningfully change our expectations that we would file for emergency use authorization and conditional approvals in the second quarter of 2022. The head of vaccine development at Pfizer, uh, Catherine Jansen, told uh, investors rather in a call uh, reported by The Washington Post. Well, the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine developed jointly with BioNTech is the only coronavirus vaccine authorized for Americans age five and up. The Moderna and Johnson and Johnson COVID vaccines are authorized for Americans age 18 and older. Well, thousands of Fred Meyer and QFC employees allege unsafe and unfair workplace environments and are now on strike. I drove by a Fred Meyer. I needed an extension cord at lunchtime. And the strikers were there. Local 555, a union that represents nearly 30,000 workers here in Oregon, has approved that strike. They allege that Fred Meyer and QFC, both owned by Kroger, have committed multiple unfair labor practices in their companies. Strikes set for stores located in Portland, Bend, Newburgh and Klamath Falls. The union says the vote to authorize this strike was overwhelmingly approved by workers who've been trying to negotiate with the Kroger affiliates. Fred Meyer and GFC, I think they meant QFC, said they are keeping stores open so customers have access to fresh food and other essentials. Our goal is to achieve a fair and balanced outcome for our associates, and we will continue to negotiate for as long as it takes to do so, Fred Meyer told local media. We will do everything we can within the scope of the law to ensure that we are able to continue to provide access to food and essential items. This the week before Christmas. Well, in other news, uh, Governor Brown is raising by 36 cents the gas tax and utility costs without a vote. Our democratically elected lawmakers didn't pass a carbon tax in the past legislative session. Not getting her way, the Oregon Governor Brown, she decided to take the law into her own hands by using her governor's executive power to pass a carbon tax Anyway, now this when gas prices are exceptionally high. Well, this week, Governor Brown's Department of Environmental Quality passed a new carbon tax scheme that studies uh, show will raise the cost of gasoline by 36 cents and double the cost of natural gas by 2050. The Oregonian stated that it would be the most far reaching use of the governor's executive power during her tenure. Well, the uh, Department of Environmental Quality bureaucrats are not elected lawmakers. They do not have the power to make laws and raise backdoor taxes like this carbon tax scheme. This is a backdoor lawmaking passing a backdoor tax increase where the public is not involved and the public has neither voted for nor able to recall the people who enacted the law. California has a carbon tax scheme, and I think that's probably enough said. Well, in other news, uh, President Biden is warning that unvaccinated Americans are facing winter of severe illness and death. He said on Thursday that Americans 
unvaccinated against the coronavirus are facing this kind of winter, severe illness and death. It's here now and it's spreading and it's going to increase. Now, interestingly enough, while the new variant is more contagious, they say it's much milder. So I'm not sure if that matches what the president is saying. His warning comes almost a year into his presidency after repeating many times on the campaign trail that he was the candidate who would shut down the virus and blaming former President Trump for his ineptitude in slowing the spread. On Wednesday, CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky said she expected reports of Omicron cases in the U.S. to increase in the coming days. In other developments, France restricts travel from Britain to fight the Omicron variant. And dogs, cats and other animals are apparently contracting COVID-19. Dana Perino from Fox News suggests that President Biden has failed to use the vaccine diplomacy at his disposal to tackle uh, covid And The Atlantic calls out the CDC's flawed case for school masking, saying its go-to study is apparently based on very shaky science. A CNN guest advises people to wear masks at Christmas, whether vaccinated or not. And the Biden administration is asking the Supreme Court to reinstate mandates for many health care workers. The White House says President Biden plans to run for re-election with Vice President Kamala Harris in 2024. The president intends to run uh, with Vice President uh, as his running mate. White House Deputy Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre said on Thursday, Jean-Pierre disclosed the president's plans when she was asked about a recent report from The Wall Street Journal in which Harris was asked if Biden intended to seek a second term. She didn't say yes. ABC senior White House correspondent Mary Kay Bruce noted she just said that the two of them hadn't talked about it. Of course, you all and the president himself has said that he does plan to uh, seek reelection. So what's the disconnect here? She answered the president and vice president do intend to run for reelection. In other developments, Vice President Harris says she and President Biden haven't really talked about a second term. President Biden awarded the Medal of Honor to three veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan. And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki skipped Afghanistan in her list of Biden's biggest foreign policy successes. Vice President Kamala Harris is barely beating Let's Go Brandon in Google searches. I'm not sure how meaningful that is, but it's a fact. Tucker Carlson pointed out that CNN's proposed 2024 presidential candidates list proved that they're out of touch with America, or at least with the administration that says he plans to run for reelection. Well, data analysis shows fentanyl overdoses became the number one cause of death among U.S. adults 18 to 45. Fentanyl overdoses have surged to the leading cause of death for adults, according to a new analysis by the government. Between 2020 and 2021, nearly 80,000 people between 18 and 45 died of fentanyl overdoses. The data analysis from Opioid Awareness Organization, Families Against Fentanyl, shows. Well, the drug is a synthetic opioid that can be deadly even in very small amounts, and other drugs, including heroin, meth, and marijuana, can be laced with the dangerous drug. Mexico and China are the primary sources of the flow of fentanyl into the United States, according to the Drug Enforcement Agency. Comparatively, between January 1st of 2020 and December 15th of this year, there were more than 53,000 COVID-19 deaths among those between 18 to 49, according to the data from the Centers for Disease control. This is a serious issue. 
Well, we're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news in the second half of this hour of the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. And in the second hour, we'll feature the Christian Outlook. You'll have an opportunity to hear from Pastor Gavin Ortland about our desire to adore and enjoy Christ and savor the season. We'll hear from Christina Bennett of Live Action about the U.S. Supreme Court addressing a new round of legal challenges to the Texas heartbeat bill. And uh, Senator, uh, former Senator Sam Brownback, former ambassador at large for international religious freedom under President Trump about Human Rights Day. All of that coming up in the second hour of today's program. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is producing and engineering a portion of today's program. And our new engineer, I'll introduce on Monday, Sam. He's going to do the remainder of the program. So more on that on Monday. Well, Customs and Border Patrol officers in Texas seized more than $3 million worth of methamphetamine at the U.S.-Mexico border. Los Angeles police are looking for the 2 o'clock rock burglar who places rocks in front of targeted businesses. And the New York Attorney General is looking into a man's death weeks after he burst into flames in a case involving a stun gun and hand sanitizer. A report says the U.S. carried out 11 executions in 2021, the fewest since 1988. Urban Meyer's daughter vows war after the NFL Jaguars fired him as head coach. And she, of course, as uh, sticking up for her father, the Salvation Army's red kettle donations are lagging after they posted their racism guide earlier in the year. A Connecticut school board meeting boiled over, resulting in a board member being punched in the face. Unacceptable behavior, even if one strongly disagrees. Harvard has waived ACT and SAT admission requirements for graduating classes through 2030. NBC anchors hit Nancy Pelosi for comments she made about how lawmakers should be able to trade individual stocks with one asking, how is that even remotely legal? Well, Kellogg's reached a tentative agreement with striking workers. Let's hope Fred Meyer and QFC do the same. State Farm is being accused of discrimination by a former employee. And Morgan Stanley is telling workers to stay home through the end of the year. Merritt Garland praised the court for rejecting Purdue Pharma's bankruptcy settlement. And a California utility is facing $550 million in penalties for five wildfires. A Fox Business poll reveals that higher crime rates across the U.S. is a large concern for voters and may very well weigh heavily in the midterm elections. California teachers continue to push their trans agenda on students. They were caught yet again and this time got blistered at a school board uh, meeting by a parent in a video uh, that has gone viral. Abigail Schreier exposed the effort back in November. Dr. Fauci proclaimed that you can enjoy the holiday season if you're vaccinated. The quote um, uh, from the good doctor doesn't say anything about what you your options are if you're not vaccinated, taking a much broader role than his position would suggest the Biden administration plans to give bonuses to doctors who implement an anti-racism plan and the rules claim it's important to acknowledge systematic racism as a root cause for differences in health outcomes between socially defined racial groups now there are a number of racist anti-racism plans I'm not familiar with this particular one I reject those that are themselves racist but if racism is having an impact on medical care, it should be addressed. Bay Area car owners are leaving their trunks open so thieves don't break in. Imagine that, along with windows down and doors unlocked. 
That's how bad it has gotten in San Francisco, in that area where crime is nearly legal. It's a complete surrender. Byron York points out that life in the Bay Area is tough. Mark Thiessen says, looks at, uh, look at how the mayor has gone from defunding the police, cutting $120 million from the budget, to replenishing the budget, and finally, aggressively addressing the crime. A little too late. Some schools are hinting that they may not reopen in January. We uh, are about to witness a massive effort to close schools again next semester. A semester, rather, teachers unions will demand that schools not reopen after Christmas break. Colleges will begin the semester with remote learning. Elite private high schools will do the same. Many schools started Christmas break early due to outbreaks and schools without outbreaks are following suit. And now Stanford is leading the charge on not reopening Come January. Well, according to a recent poll, a majority of young Democrats view other countries as better than the United States. Of Democrats 18 to 29, 55 percent believe there are other countries better than the U.S. Just 18 percent of young Republicans say the same. The NFL is funding groups that seek to defund the police as part of what they call their Inspire Change initiative. The military has declared there will be no religious exemptions granted for the vaccine and the holdouts will soon be dismissed. The Salvation Army is struggling as donors and volunteers react to their woke guide. And the U.S. has pulled out of uh, the settlement talks in immigration family suits. The ACLU is furious. Well, the parliamentarians struck down Democrats' immigration proposal in the Build Back Better boondoggle. And the Senate finally passed the Uyghur Forced Labor Bill. The U.S. Senate confirmed Nicholas Burns as the U.S. ambassador to China. And border arrests ticked up 5% in November, the first increase since the summer. 62,000 visa applicants and interpreters are still in Afghanistan with no hope of escape. The U.S. blacklisted China's premier drone maker and seven others over their Chinese communist surveillance ties. And cyber vulnerabilities are overwhelming security professionals in government and in industry. The CDC is recommending the Pfizer or Moderna COVID vaccine over Johnson & Johnson's due to rare blood clots. A judge overturned Purdue Pharma's $4.5 billion opioid settlement, and the FDA plans to permanently allow abortion pills by mail. We'll talk more about that next week. The rate at which people stopped moving to California has surprised researchers, but not the proletariat. According to a Wharton study, Biden inflation, as they're calling it, will cost families $3,500 this year. 17 gun uh, firms are fleeing to friendlier states, according to the Washington Examiner. And authorities have issued a search warrant for Alec Baldwin's cell phone in in connection with the fatal film uh, set shooting some weeks back. Well, on this day in history, 1777, France recognizes American independence. And you know the rest of that story. 1903, Wilbur and Orville Wright of Dayton, Ohio, conduct the first successful manned-powered airplane flights near Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, using their experimental craft, the Wright Flyer. 1944, the U.S. War Department announces it is ending its policy of excluding people of Japanese ancestry from the West Coast. Finally, 1957, the United States successfully test fires the Atlas Intercontinental Ballistic Missile for the first time. On this day in history, 1969, the U.S. Air Force closes its Project Blue Book by concluding there was no evidence of extraterrestrial spaceships behind thousands of UFO sightings. 1992, President George Herbert Walker Bush, Canadian Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, and Mexican President Carlos Salinas de Gortari 
signed the North American Free Trade Agreement in separate ceremonies. After approval by the legislative bodies of the leaders' respective countries, the treaty would come into force on January 1st, 1994. 1996, Peruvian guerrillas take hundreds of people hostage at the Japanese embassy in Lima. All but 72 of the hostages would be released by the rebels. The siege would end in April on the 22nd in 1997 with a commando raid that resulted in the deaths of all of the rebels, two commandos and one hostage. On this day in history, 1996, Kofi Annan of Ghana is appointed United Nations Secretary General. And 2011, on this date, North Korean leader Kim Jong-il dies after more than a decade of iron rule. 2017, French sailor Francois Gabart, he breaks the record for sailing around the world alone, circumnavigating the planet in just 42 days and 16 hours. Wow. Well, coming up, we're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news. And uh, James Blend will join me to do just that. He might throw in a little Christmas humor in there as well. And in the second hour, we'll share from the Christian Outlook. Uh, this week, John and Kathy from The Ride Home talk with Pastor Gavin Ortland about our desire to adore and enjoy Christ and savor the season. Kevin McCullough turns to Christina Bennett on live action about the U.S. Supreme Court addressing a new round of legal challenges to the Texas heartbeat bill. And Don Crow will talk with Sam Brownback, former ambassador at large for international religious freedom under President Trump about Human Rights Day. All of that coming up in the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. And we've got quite an interesting lineup for you next week as we uh, approach and anticipate celebrating Christmas. So we'll tell you more about that uh, coming up in the next couple of segments as well. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to switch gears just a bit and take a look at the lighter side of the news. Joining me in that endeavor, James Blinn, the producer of The Georgine Rice Show. That's true. It's true. And uh, it's hard to believe we're getting towards the end of another year of producing the show. It's been a bit of a rough year, but uh, it's kind of nice to draw it to a close and see what the next one has to offer. You know, it's one of those things, I think, uh, especially with the pandemic starting last year, I really thought when we got to the end of 2020 that uh, I was like, okay, can't really get much worse than this year. I'm, I'm not going to say that this year because it did. <laughs> yeah. This was a much tougher year than last year, but here we are in December. We we've, we've been back in the studio for a couple of months. Uh, doing the show, you know, at least a good amount of the time live, um, which we didn't get to do for like 15 straight months. So um, there are little victories along the way. Yes, there are. And who knows what the next year might bring. Exactly. Well, I wanted to begin, uh, James, with a little bit of a politically correct Christmas poem. Are you prepared? 100% prepared. Twas the night before Christmas and Santa's a wreck. How to live in a world that's politically correct. His workers no longer would answer to elves, vertically challenged, they were calling themselves, and labor conditions at the North Pole were alleged by the Union to stifle the soul. For reindeer had vanished without much propriety, released to the wild by the humane society. And equal employment had made it quite clear that Santa had better not use just reindeer, So Dancer and Donner, Comet and Cupid were replaced by four pigs. And you know that looked stupid. The runners had been removed from his beautiful sleigh because the ruts were deemed dangerous by the EPA. And millions of people were calling the cops. 
when they heard sled noises upon their rooftops. Secondhand smoke from his pipe had his workers quite frightened, and his fur-trimmed red suit was called unenlightened. To show you the strangeness of today's ebbs and flows, Rudolph was suing over unauthorized use of his nose. He went to Geraldo in front of the nation, demanding millions in an overdue workers' compensation. So half of the reindeer were gone, and his wife, who suddenly said she had enough of this life, joined a self-help group packed and left in a whiz, demanding from now on that her title be Ms. And as for gifts, why, he'd never had the notion that making a choice could cause such commotion. Nothing of leather, nothing of fur, which meant nothing for him or nothing for her. Nothing to aim, nothing to shoot, nothing that clamored or made lots of noise. Nothing just girls and nothing just boys. Nothing that claimed to be gender-specific, nothing that's warlike or non-pacifistic. <laughs> no candy or sweets, they were bad for the tooth. Nothing that seemed to embellish upon the truth. And fairy tales, while not yet forbidden, were like Ken and Barbie, better off hidden. For they raised the hackles of those psychological, who claimed the only good gift was one ecological. No baseball, no football, someone might get hurt. Besides, playing sports exposed kids to, well, dirt. Dolls were said to be sexist and should be passé, and Nintendo would rot your entire brain away. So Santa just stood there, disheveled and perplexed. He just couldn't figure out what to do next. He tried to be merry, he tried to be gay, but you must have to admit he was having a very bad day. His sack was quite empty, it was flat on the ground, nothing fully acceptable was anywhere to be found. Something special was needed, a gift that he might give to us all without angering the left or the right. A gift that would satisfy with no indecision each group of people in every religion. Every race, every hue, every one, everywhere, even you. So, here is that gift. It's price beyond worth. May you and your loved ones enjoy peace on earth. It's tough everywhere. My understanding is there is a shortage of elves who are willing to work under this uh, current environment. Yeah, it's making it hard, both at Santa's Workshop and uh, Cookie's. The Keebler folks are really hurting. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny. I remember years and years ago when I was in high school, there was a book that came out. was, I think, Politically Correct Fairy Tales or something like that. Yeah. And uh, everybody, we, we all passed around copies of it because it was so funny and so absurdist. I believe it is now an elementary school textbook. I'm not positive, though. <laughs> I wouldn't be at all surprised. No, me it's either. It's entirely possible. Well, you know, it's a season in which there's lots to be done. Now, despite the fact that Pastor Greg Allen yesterday encouraged us to do less and to be uh, more contemplative, to reflect more during this season, I thought it might be somewhat comical to read Martha Stewart's holiday calendar, which, of course, began the first day of December and continues right up until the day itself. This is Martha Stewart's holiday calendar, December 1st. Blanch carcass from Thanksgiving turkey, spray paint gold, turn upside down and use as a sleigh to hold Christmas cards. I wouldn't be surprised. December 2nd, have Mormon Tabernacle Choir record outgoing Christmas message for answering machine. December 3rd, using candlewick and hand-gilded miniature pine cones, fashion catonine tails, flog gardener. December 4th, repaint Sistine Chapel ceiling in ecru with mocha trim. December 5th, 
get new eyeglasses, grind lenses myself. December 6th, fax family Christmas newsletter to Pulitzer Committee for consideration. December 7th, debug Windows 95. December 8th, decorate homegrown Christmas tree with scented candles, handmade, of course, with beeswax from my backyard bee colony. December 9th, record own Christmas album complete with four-part harmony and all instrument accompaniment performed by myself, mailed to all my friends and loved ones. December 10th, align carpets to adjust to curvature of the earth. December 11th, lay Fabergé egg. December 12th, erect ice skating rink in front yard using spring water uh, I bottled myself, open for neighborhood children's use, create festive mood by hand making snow and playing my Christmas album. December 13th, collect dentures. They make excellent pastry cutters, particularly for decorative pie crust. December 14th, install plumbing in gingerbread house. December 15th, replace air in minivan tires with Glade Holiday scents in case tires are shot out at mall. December 17th, child-proof the Christmas tree with garland of razor wire. December 19th, adjust legs of chairs so each Christmas dinner guest will be the same height when sitting at his or her assigned seat. December 20th, dip sheep and cows in egg whites and roll in confectioner's sugar to add a festive sparkle to the pasture. December 21st, drain city reservoir, refill with mulled cider, orange slices, and cinnamon sticks. December 22nd, float votive candles in toilet tank. December 23rd, seed clouds for white Christmas. December 24th, do my annual good deed, go to several stores, be seen engaging in last-minute Christmas shopping, thus making many people feel less inadequate than they really are. December 25th, Bear sun, swaddle, lay in color coordinated manger scented with homemade potpourri. December 26th, organize spice racks by genus and phylum. December 27th, build snowman in exact likeness of the baby in the manger. December 28th, take dog apart, disinfect, reassemble. December 29th, still busy. Hand sew 365 quilts, each using 365 material squares I weaved myself, using uh, used to represent the 365 days of the year. Donate to local orphanages. December 30th, release flock of white doves, each individually decorated with olive branches to signify a desire of world peace. And finally, December 31st, New Year's Eve, give staff their resolutions. Call a friend in each time zone of the world as the clock strikes midnight in that country. Do less, reflect more. It's just a thought. It's a beautiful thought. I mean, you know, it, 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 I believe the term is, uh, it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Although, you know, you make reference to Martha Stewart today and half the population has no idea. She's sort of fallen out of uh, fashion. It's, it, for, the, the, for those in the younger side, uh, she's the lady who does cooking shows with Snoop Dogg. Yeah, she does now all kinds of strange things. Yeah, but she she managed to remain relevant. I might give him a call once I retire. I might give Snoop Dogg a call and see if he has a gig for me. Uh, I would pay to see the two of you do a show together. I'm just saying that. <laughs> yeah, right that's now. pretty much not going to happen. Uh, I, I know it's not going to happen, pretty but pretty much not going to happen. I, I, I could picture it mentally, and it's very entertaining. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it would be. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Again, you're listening to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show, in which we are now taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news, as you may have gathered by now. James Blend has joined me to do just that. But we're going to take a break and promise to return momentarily. So stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show We are considering some of the lighter side of the news as we anticipate the second hour of today's program in which we'll hear from some of my um, colleagues from across the country as they interview folks regarding issues of great concern. And we'll uh, talk more about that in just a few minutes. Also want to let you know, next week uh, on Monday, we're going to talk with Joe Dallas. He is the author of Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. We're also going to talk with Pastor Scott Gilchrist, and our subject will be Christmas. On Tuesday, we'll talk with Pastor Rich Jones, and on Wednesday, Pastor Di Indicott. Uh, and that will round out our Christmas coverage uh, for the first three days of the week of Christmas. On Thursday, Hope College Christmas Vespers will be featured. And on Friday, focus on the family's A Christmas Carol. And uh, for Christmas week leading up to New Year, the best of the Georgine Rice Show so far. So that's kind of our lineup for uh, Christmas week. So far? So far. That's, that's pretty far. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say that you are ready for Christmas in that you have completed all of the things that you want to do in order to, uh, you know, kind of be ready. I I have completed all my purchases and everything is, uh, everything is ready. I'll admit when I feel like I'm there, I feel like one person, I, I, I feel like there's something missing. I haven't quite figured that out yet. Oh, James, that's just so sweet that you would feel that way. I'm really touched. I, 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 well, I know you really put a lot of stock into, and, and, and you know the thought level of thought I put into the gift I give every year to Dan Rice. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. You know, I haven't, I haven't done a lick of. Well, I have a present for my mother that the whole family is giving her, and I was responsible for Purchasing procuring. It. But um, I haven't done any Christmas shopping, and I'll do that in one afternoon, maybe tomorrow, and be done with it because it's not a big part of right. Of the whole celebration, and I'm also old and tired, so <laughs> I'll squeeze well, yeah, it all I into think, I think, a day. I think the only thing we'll need to do a little bit of is uh, for the various things that we're going to is picking up the food items that we need to bring and uh, that are responsibilities. But uh, that's something obviously we would do next week because you don't want to get that stuff too early. Yeah, well, I'm pretty much you know I've done all the music that I'm going to do, with the exception I'm going to be at. Let's see, what's it called? Um, Alongsiders Church. For their Christmas Eve services, they have two of them, and all my um, Christmas singing, performing, preparing, and all of that will be will come to an end. So I'm looking forward to a, a bit of a rest. Oh yeah, I mean you've you've certainly had a uh, busy singing Christmas, um, and uh, certainly was enjoyable to see you do the, the the tree this year. It was so fun. First of all, we didn't have the tree last right. year. There was a virtual version that you could you could purchase but to be together as the singing christmas tree a a downsized version and for um sunset presbyterian to open their doors and allow us to use that facility which worked out beautifully and it's a beautiful room and it sounded so good The, the sound really traveled there was not a bad seat in that in that in the room there was a lot i liked about being there as opposed to the keller auditorium people were just not interested in going to downtown portland 
during this season. It, its reputation has, it's been has made tarnished. It a, yeah, it's been it, tarnished. It's a place people don't want to go. So um, really mid ticket sales, we ended up moving to the new location. And Sunset Presbyterian was so gracious to welcome us and to share their uh, they're home with us for a period of, of time because rehearsals preceding the performances, all of that had to be set up and torn down. So kudos to the church. And um, it, it was just a great time to be together again as choir. It was about half the size in terms of the choir members. But I think the impact was uh, every bit as much as people expected. Yeah, we, we absolutely endured it. Even though my wife was unable to join us this year, it was a perfect daddy daughter day out. And, you know, it, it, it's it. As as it would be with any performance, uh, towards the end, my my daughter started asking, you know, what when when's it going to be over? <laughs> when's the How last many song? songs left? <laughs> and then when afterwards, when I asked her what was your favorite part, the last three songs about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was just like, okay, that's why we stayed that long. Absolutely. Yeah, she got it. She got it. By the way, did you get my um my email about with my list of gift ideas? Did you get that? Oh, I thought that was a list of what you bought me. Oh, my bad. So you still have a little shopping to do then? I guess I do, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to get Dan Rice. He's very difficult to shop for. I, I could, you know, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I'm thinking about a drum throne. Uh, his drum seat could be replaced or a, a new bag for his keyboard. I, I just don't know what to get him. I don't know. Might be time to take a little wander around the old guitar center and see if anything jumps out at you. Yeah, I usually end up in one of the music stores in town. I bought him an electric set of drums last year, and that was a big hit. Um, but the drum throne, which is the seat, didn't work out as well as we'd hoped. So maybe I'll do that. There you go. So what what were you thinking? You might, uh, you know, get me. Well, I was going to say, if you, you know, if you, I, I, I probably would get down the no, keyboard No, 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 don't, don't, don't spend too much. I, you don't require much. <laughs> just, you know, just a, a simple acknowledgement, a gift in the $100 range would be sufficient. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> Whatever. Ooh. Whatever. You know, a new phenomenon was brought to my attention this time around. We're supposed to tip people um, during the Christmas season. Uh, uh, Creditcards.com says housekeepers, child care providers are tipped uh, on on average, you should tip the mailman. You should tip the yard guy. Uh, I I hadn't really thought about that, but tipping workers for the holiday can sometimes feel like a lot of pressure for such an important job. But a new creditcards.com survey revealed just how much others are giving this season. So if you want to keep up with the uh, with the Joneses or the Elves, this is what you need to do. Well, their survey found that housekeepers and childcare providers are tipped the most at an average of fifty dollars. Um, Forty-seven percent of adults plan to tip their housekeepers at forty. Housekeepers, I suppose, if you can afford a housekeeper, you can afford to tip. I was say you can afford the tip. I can't afford the housekeeper, so the tip's going to be small. (laughs) Yeah, landscapers are tipped an average of thirty dollars. Teachers are tipped. Have you ever tipped a teacher? I mean, we give gifts to teachers, but I I was going to say my wife's a teacher. There, there have been no tips. Yeah, Uh, in fact, they're actually really not allowed. Teachers are tipped, according to these guys, $25. Apparently, in some places, it's um, acceptable. And trash collectors, have you thought about the garbage man? Mail carriers are tipped, on average, $20. But only 19% of adults plan to tip their waste management workers, who have, you know, a pretty tough gig. 45% of Americans say they're going to increase the amount they tip service providers who are normally tipped throughout the year, like wait staff and beauticians. Uh, Restaurant wait staff will experience this most uh, with... 
27% of people planning to tip them more than usual. Hairstylists and barbers follow at 19%. Food delivery personnel at 16%. Uh, coffee shop baristas are expected to earn at least 9%. Do you tip the coffee barista? Um, yeah, I usually do. Do you? Yeah. I haven't been to a coffee shop in so long. Wouldn't know which end is, end is up. All of those service providers have dealt with unique challenges throughout the COVID pandemic, and that's certainly true. Many have likely lost income. Again, that's according to creditcards.com senior industry analyst. If you can afford to do so, give a little extra around the holiday. And that could make a big difference. Gen Z is more likely to give higher tips during the holiday season, while baby boomers are expected to give less at 42 percent. Millennials meet in the middle at 48 percent and Gen Xers at 43 percent. Dan Rice is a very generous tipper. I sometimes wonder if he has a part time job that I'm unaware of because he's very generous when it comes to tipping. I try to be when I can. I mean, it's certainly, you know, you talk about some of the people that were were talking about tipping. I mean, a lot of. A lot of like, for example, when I remember growing up, you, know, you had the same, you know, delivery mail delivery person all the time. Yeah. So you kind of eventually built a relationship, and so inevitably, every time, every year about this time, you put a card out in the in in the mail for the delivery person to grab. You knew by name, whom you knew by name, and there was a little something something in there for them, more as a gift than a tip. But it was, you know, basically an extra thank you for doing a great job all year long. Yeah, well, I've decided I'm going to tip some of the service providers, the garbage man. I'm not sure how to do that. I mean, you'd put a card on top of the garbage can. What do you do? You you know, especially because a lot of them don't get out of their vehicles anymore. It it might be one of those things where you might want to call the office and ask how you the best way to do that. That's probably what I would do. Just. You know, because I don't want them not noticing it on top of the garbage can. Yeah, and it ends and, up in the heap. And it ends up in the heap, yeah. <laughs> well, and then there's the letter carrier and yep. the yard guy. So I've decided we're going we're gonna to tip them. And yeah, we, I, don't, you know, we don't have a regular yard guy. We just do spring cleanup. So, I yeah. mean, the, but. Uh, we have someone who comes regularly. So I think that would be appropriate and came through the pandemic. And, you know, I want you to feel free. Um, you have some flexibility if you just want to, I don't know, tip me. <laughs> I was going to say, I think, a, I think a host should be tipping it, tipping what? their producer, What's not that? the other way. Shouldn't a host be tipping their producer, yeah, sorry, not the other I, way around? The connection uh, is yeah, really, well, you know. really bad. I couldn't understand anything you said. Uh, just remember, I am the one with the off switch. <laughs> Speaking of which, I need to use it now. We're, we're, we're done. Oh, okay. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour. And in the second hour, you have an opportunity to hear this week's unique Christian outlook. So stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.